Well, this weekend we start a brand new series, and it's called uh, Common People, Uncommon God. And so we're going to look at the life of Simon Peter, because Simon Peter had a life that was very uh, common life, but he lived a very uncommon life when he came in contact with a very uncommon God. And that uncommon God began living his life out through him. And so this weekend, we're going to start off looking at just an uncommon life. And what does that look like? If you have your Bibles, your iPads, a cell phone, whatever you use to, to get your, uh, the Bible on, you can turn there to John chapter 1 and Luke chapter 5. We're going to be in both of those uh, uh, groups of scriptures. John chapter 1 first, Luke chapter 5 next. And then while you're situating and turning there or, or clicking there or whatever you're doing... Uh, let me tell you a story. USA Today reported this last week, Daniel Casillo is about 31 years of age. And Daniel Casillo and his wife and a, and a bunch of their friends, the families, they went to the lake in New York, New York Bay. And so they're jet skiing, they're barbecuing, they're swimming, they're grilling, they're doing all of that stuff. And towards the end of the day, all the guys are talking. And so they're wondering whose jet ski is like the fastest. And so they decide, you know what, let's just race. Let's just prove it right now. So it's kind of like one of those things, watch this, and you know someone's about ready to get hurt, right? And so the guys go out, they get on their jet skis, they start racing through New York Bay, and then they enter Jamaica Bay. Now, Jamaica Bay, in case you don't know, uh, on the shores of Jamaica Bay is JFK Airport. Fact is, runway 4L kind of comes out on on over Jamaica Bay. And so the guys were racing their jet skis and all of a sudden Daniel's jet ski uh, just broke and so he, he came to a stop and his, his buddies, they were so, intent, so focused on the race that they didn't notice he'd stopped. And so they kept on, and so Daniel waited for a while for them to return, and they didn't return. No other watercraft had come by that he could flag them down and get help. It's starting to get dark, and so Daniel's like thinking, you know what, I've got to do something. So he saw the lights from JFK Airport. He said, that must be sure. So he jumped off of his jet ski. Daniel Casillo swam three miles through Jamaica Bay. He finally makes it to the shores of, of, of Jamaica Bay, and then there is an eight-foot security fence surrounding JFK Airport. Uh, they had just spent $100 million uh, buying the, the most highly sophisticated security system known to man. And so, but Daniel Casillo, he ignored all the warning signs of trespassing and all that other stuff. He's wearing a bright yellow yellow life vest, and he crawls over this eight-foot security fence, walks across two runways with planes landing and taking off, walks up to gate 10 and asks a baggage handler from Delta for help and for directions. Now, it was the baggage handlers that called police, and he got arrested and for trespassing and all that other stuff. JFK's embarrassed that their high-tech security system didn't identify him, and some baggage handler had to figure it out. And so Daniel's wife was interviewed, and Daniel's wife said, when they asked her, well, what did you think about your husband doing this? And she says, my husband's an idiot. And then she went on to say, and by the way, what was he thinking? I mean, what was he thinking to ignore the signs to cry? I mean, he could have been hurt. What was he thinking? I mean, if you're like me, haven't we all had those moments where it's like, what was I thinking? I mean, to where it was something we said, or it was something we did, to where we had those moments to where we said, you know what, it just seemed like such a good idea at the time. What was I thinking? What was I thinking was going to happen if I said this? What was I thinking was going to happen if I did that? You see, Simon Peter was a what-was-I-thinking type of guy. I mean, all through the scriptures you find that whether it was him or whether it was those that are around him that saw him, that people could say, what was he thinking? I mean, Simon Peter 
What draws us to him is not his accomplishments, if you're like me. I mean, he accomplished a lot, but what draws me to him is he's just a common guy. He's just a real guy like us. And, but you find that he did some very uncommon things. Simon Peter was the first one. He was the first one to walk on water. Simon Peter was the first one out of all the disciples to look at Christ and know that he was a son of God, that he was God incarnate. And Simon Peter was the one that witnessed the, the empty tomb. And you look at Simon Peter's life and you realize that Simon Peter was able to do some very uncommon things and, and yet he had a very common life and he was a very common person and he, he preached the first gospel message at Pentecost and, and 3,000 people were, met Christ that day and he kind of oversaw the Jerusalem church and if you don't know, the Jerusalem church had over 20,000 members. He wrote two books in the New Testament. But he was a very common guy. I mean, he had struggles with us. And if you're like me, it's easy to identify with someone that's very common, right? It's hard to identify with someone that's perfect, right? It's hard to identify with someone that always says the right thing and always does the right thing. But this wasn't Simon Peter at all. The fact is, this wasn't his life at all. I mean, when you look at his life, you realize that there were all these moments. I mean, when Jesus told him, that he was going to have to die. Simon Peter rebuked God and said, no, you're not. To where Jesus turned around to him and says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, the disciples sitting around could say, what was he thinking? I mean, when they came to arrest Jesus, Simon Peter had so much courage that he took out a sword and whacked the guy's ear off. But only hours later, He cowered, and he denied Christ three times to a little servant girl. Simon Peter, at times, would have so much faith to walk on water. And then when he sees the effects of the wind, the waves, and he took his eyes off Christ, he sank. But when you look at Simon Peter's life, he was very common. But he lived an uncommon life. And if you're like me, when I read scripture, I want to know what, what made si someone like Simon Peter that had what was I thinking moments to live a very uncommon life, to live a life of reckless abandonment. Like he did. I think there's two things that we can get out of the scripture. The first one is this that if you want to know if you have an uncommon life or if you're that type of person, it starts with trusting in Christ. It starts with coming to the place to where you just you just trust him. You see, with Simon Peter, it started off with a very simple invitation. Oh, but it really started before that. You see, let me give you some culture of John chapter 1 or, or context of John chapter 1 before we look at the verse 41 and following. You see, Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. And Andrew and his buddy, they hear about the Messiah. They hear about this man by the name of Jesus that was fulfilling Scripture that may be the Messiah. So all of a sudden, Andrew and his buddy, they start like stalking Jesus. 
And so they're stalking him, and Jesus realizes that these guys are like stalking me. So he turns around to them, and he asks them a question. You see, God would always ask the most penetrating questions. An interesting study of Scripture, just, just for you, just for free, is to go through the Gospels and look at all the questions that Jesus asked people. He had a way of just, just cutting to the chase and penetrating the heart just with a simple question. So he noticed that Andrew and his buddy were stalking him, and he turns to them and says, What do you want? And they answered a question with a question. And they asked him, they says, where do you live? You know why that's so powerful? You know why that's a powerful question? They just wanted to be in the presence of God. They got it. They understood what it was like and what it meant to be in the presence of God. And what they were saying was this, we just want to be in your presence. We just want to hang out with you. We just want to get to know you. And Jesus' simple invitation. See, we make this so difficult. We make it so complicated to the point that we'll never invite anyone to church. Because it's just too hard. It's just too... But you see here that it's a very simple invitation. Jesus simply tells them, just come and see. Just come and see. And Andrew and his buddies meet Christ. Because they realize he is the Messiah. We're in the presence of the living God. And look what they do in John chapter 1, verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, it was a natural reaction for him when he came in, in a relationship with Christ to bring others into that relationship. And he found his brother and he said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. What a wonderful statement. And Jesus looked at him and said, makes this statement. Looks at Simon Peter and says, You're Simon, son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which, which means Peter. And Andrew brings his brother, Simon Peter, to Jesus. And many of us are in this room. Many of us have a relationship with Christ because a family member brought us. Whether we were raised in a Christian home or whether we had a Christian mom and a Christian dad, whether it was a family member that brought us to Christ, whether it was a mom or a dad, a brother or a sister, or an aunt or an uncle. And you see in this text, and you see all through Scripture, that God moves through people. And God moves through people just from a simple invitation, not a complicated one and not one that's really hard. I mean, don't miss this, please, this morning. Do not miss this. It's a simple invitation. Come and see. You can change someone's eternal destiny. You can change their life with a simple invitation. And I think about my life. And when I was in my 20s and difficult season of my life, and my life is a wreck. I have no direction in life. And I went to live with my aunt and uncle, Aunt Betty, Uncle Bob. And Uncle Bob is the man that passed away here a while back. Then I went back to his funeral in Texas that I've talked about. Many of you prayed for me, and thank you. And I went to live with them, and my life is a wreck. Just a simple invitation. And they said, on a Saturday, he said, Charlie, would you just go to church with us tomorrow? Would you just come and see? No guilt, no judgment. No theological argument. Just come and see. They did throw in lunch afterwards. And I went, and it was in the worship. 
God began to change my life. Because somebody just said, come and see. And I was at that church a number of years, and then a leader looked at me and had watched what God was doing in my life. And another invitation. I said, would, would you want to work with students? We noticed that God's hand may be on your life, and we would love for you to work with our, in our student ministry. And so I did that for a number of years, and Every Friday night at this church, we uh, did a singles worship service, and about three to five hundred singles would show up, and just just great worship. And and I met a girl, and I walked up to her after one of the services and said, uh, "Hello, Karen. My name's Charlie Jones." And after every service, me and a bunch of friends we go hang out at a restaurant together. Would you like to go with me and eat? Just a simple, nervous, but very irresistible invitation. (laughs) (laughs) Then after we were married for several years at the church where we were at, Dr. Kurt Dodd and his wife called and asked if they could come by the house and just talk with us. And we set our living room table and just a simple invitation. And he said, we're we're talking about planting a church in Pueblo, Colorado. We would like to know if you guys would like to go with us. And I did that for several years, four years. And then Dr. Kurt Dodd was called away to a mega church in Merritt Island, Florida. And a group of elders called me and Karen and said, could we just stop by and visit? And they sat in our living room and we were in a circle on couches. And they looked at me and says, another invitation. Would you consider? Would you pray about? Would you be our next senior pastor? I think about how much my life changed because one person or one couple, my aunt and uncle, simply said, come and see. Simon Peter's life changed to where he was no longer a common person, but he was this uncommon person because his brother cared so much about him that he said just come and and see if statistics are true in our church like they are across our nation statistics tell me this that the majority of you in this room haven't invited one person to this church in the last six months and the longer you're here and the longer you're here and you get comfortable the less and less that will happen. Yeah, and I think about with all the opportunities that we have here, we have four services, we have a children's ministry, we have a student ministry, we have a college ministry, we have life groups, we have impact. We have, we have something for everybody. And if you can't find something 
to invite someone to here and just say, come and, and see. Uh, show of hands. It's all skate time. Uh, how many of you came to this church because someone invited you and said, come and see? Would you lift your hands? That's 322 of us. Not counting over. I'm joking. That was a joke. You guys are serious. Not counting overflow. We're in overflow. The majority of us in this room, you know why you're here? You know why you're in this church? Because someone was willing to say, come, yeah, you'll get turned down. Yeah, someone will, big deal. Can you imagine how Andrew felt when his brother stood up and preached at Pentecost and 3,000 people came to faith? And Andrew's like, can you imagine what he felt like? I'm telling you. Church is a place, listen, church is a place where we serve God and we meet with God. Church is a place to where we get that and we understand that and we live an uncommon life. It's not only the place that we worship Him and we do worship Him here, but it's also a place that we serve Him and we follow Him and there's this trust in Him. But you see, Jesus had an invitation for Simon. This is what's so interesting. The first invitation is come and see. That's why we do invitations here every week. Because God has a next step for every one of us, wherever, regardless of where we are in our faith, regardless of where we are in our spiritual maturity. And Andrew had an invitation for, G, for, for Simon Peter. And Jesus has an invitation for Simon Peter. Watch this in verse 42 again. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means, which means Peter. Now, now, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, a name meant something. I mean, it, meant, it, it spoke into someone's character. You could hear someone's name, and you knew something about them without even knowing them. You could know some things about their character. Now, here's what's so strange about the name that, that Jesus just gave Simon Peter. The name Peter means to be stable and to be uh, stable and to be rock-like and to be dependable and all of those other things. But here's the crazy thing. Simon Peter was anything but that. His life was a wreck. He was very calm and he had a lot of what was I thinking moments. In fact, is the group that around him, the group that heard him, Jesus say, this is going to be your name. They're probably thinking, what is he thinking, giving him that name? Doesn't he know them? Simon Peter is anything but stable. Simon Peter is anything but dependable. What is he doing? i tell you what he's doing. He's trying to get Simon Peter to focus on his potential in Christ. Jesus named him. This is just so important for us this morning. Jesus named Simon Peter for, not for who he was, but for who he could become. His potential in Christ. See, when someone lives an uncommon life, that individual understands that their past does not define them. Listen. Your past does not define you. Simon Peter's past did not define him to Jesus. And your past does not define him to define you. 
I don't care what you've done. I don't care your, what, the sin. I don't care what, how bad you think. What was I thinking moments were in your life? In Christ. Your past does not have, your sin does not define you. And Jesus is trying to get Simon Peter to get it. And Simon Peter to understand that you could have an uncommon life in me. And yes, you were once undependable, but in me, you'll be known as dependable. In me, you'll be stable. In me, your whole life can change. Simon, in a relationship with me, you have great potential. Shouldn't that be what the church is to be about? I mean, look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. And then watch, this is just so important. Just be patient with them all. Not just those you like. Not just those you agree with. How about this? How about this? How about just be patient with them all? There were, here's another one in Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another every day. As long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And that's why authentic praise is just it is so important. Jesus was just calling Simon Peter and trying to help him understand this could be your potential in me. That if you'd just be willing to live an uncommon life. The story is told in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus is, is, uh, is, is right after uh, uh, feeding thousands of people. And the crowds are pressing in on him because they want more. And so they're pushing him up against the banks of this lake. And so Jesus realized that this, is, this isn't going to be a bad scene. And so he looks around and, and the, the, the men that had been fishing all night had their boats pushed up against shore and they were cleaning their nets. And so who knows why he chose Simon Peter's boat to get into. But I think the scripture will indicate in just a few minutes for us to help us understand why that he chose Simon Peter's boat. And so Jesus goes and gets into Simon Peter's boat, and, and uh, Simon Peter looks over at him, and he looks at him, and he says, he says Simon, he said, would you push out a little, little from shore so that I can, I can preach? See, it made no sense to Simon probably at that point, but it was his first act of obedience. Let me tell you something. Blessing always follows obedience in life. I don't care what it, and I don't, I don't care how small it seems. It was just a simple thing, just pu- push out a little farther. And Simon does, and Jesus goes to the bow of the boat, and he sits down to teach. It, it was like a natural amphitheater. And, he, and when he sat down to teach, that meant in their culture that he said something very, very important to say. And Jesus preaches, and they do the, uh, the prayer time and the invitation, and, and the associate pastor dismisses everybody. And people are walking away, and then Jesus turned to Simon Peter and says, Simon, I want you now to go to deeper water. And I want you to drop your nets. Brings us to the second principle of an uncommon life. See, an uncommon person not only trusts in his word, but they or trust in Christ, but they trust in his they trust in his word. In verse 5, watch this. And so and Simon answered. 
Master, we have toiled all night and we've, we took nothing. In other words, in case you didn't know, we didn't catch a thing last night. And so just so we kind of know culturally and how they would fish in their day, they never fished in the heat of the day and they never fished in daylight because what would happen is, is, is it was so hot in their area, the fish would go down to deeper water and their nets could not reach them. And so Simon Peter is looking at Jesus and said, Hey, in case you didn't know, we fished at the prime time last night and we didn't catch anything. This makes no sense. In other words, I don't need like an, ex, uh, an ex-carpenter or a preacher telling me how to run my business type deal. So he's just letting Jesus know. Jesus, in case you're wondering, we didn't catch anything last night. But watch this. This is how you know that you have an uncommon life. If these six words are true of you, if these six words are true of your life that Simon Peter says to Jesus, then guess what? You're, you're one of the ones that have an uncommon life because it's so uncommon in our culture. And he says this, but at your word, I will. But at your word, you, it would do you well to take an index card or, or post-it note or, or whatever you use and write out these six words and keep them in front of you and maybe draw a blank. I mean, Simon Peter says, but at your word, I'll let down my nets. What does that look like for you? But at your word, I will handle all of my relationships the way you say I should. But at your word, I will handle my marriage. At your word, I will handle my finances. At your word, I will serve you and worship you. See, that's an uncommon person. See, an uncommon person trusts in his word. It's not just believing in his word, but it's taking his word and being willing to apply it. Simon Peter was willing to take Jesus' word and apply it to his profession Even though to him it didn't make sense, but at your word, I'll let down my nets. And then when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. And so they began to to sink. There's a lot of fish. But when Simon Peter saw it, here's Simon Peter's first worship service. And worship in the Bible never without emotion. Worship in the Bible is never just intellectual. Never just religious ritual, going through the motions, reading the bulletin, doing your to-do list. Worship in the Bible God, listen, God is not so much moved by our words if it doesn't move your heart. And that's when you feel the presence of God. And Simon knew that I'm in the presence of God. And he naturally worshipped him. You see, that's why some of you, it's just so, this issue of worship can be so frustrating. Because you have to fight against it. Because naturally, he's created that in your life. And Simon, I mean, Simon said, Depart from me, for I am sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that that they had taken. Man, when Simon Peter saw how powerful Jesus was, his first reaction was just to worship him. Psalms 95.6 says, Oh, come, let us worship. And how? Because it's never emotionless. Let us bow down. 
Let us kneel. Before the Lord, our Maker, see, Simon understood who he was. Listen, I'm telling you, worship and adoration of him is the most powerful thing a, a human is capable of. You know what the Bible would say? Failure to worship is the greatest failure a human is capable of with great consequences. If you've been life journaling with us, you know we've been going through the book of Jeremiah. And God told Jeremiah, you tell the people this. They better learn to worship me before it's too late. How sad. When spectators watching an Olympic event outshout the church of God. How sad. When someone wins a free set of steak knives, they outshout the church of God. And the uncommon life is to understand where you give and who you give you, your worship to is critical. It's not just some religious ritual that we walk through. An uncommon life is lived when an uncommon God lives his life through us. And the first step for Simon Peter, the first step for us is repentance. And listen, I get it. I know repentance is hard. That's why so few people do it. It is hard. It is uncomfortable. You have to admit your sin. You have to admit your failures. You have to bow down. But Simon Peter must have thought, If with him, if he can invade my profession and if he can, and if he can cause me because he has power over the fish and to catch that many fish, maybe, maybe he can change my personality. Maybe in him I can be dependable. Maybe in him I can be a rock. And then verse 10, and so also were James and John and sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And, and so Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. And he tells him some very important words. For now on, Simon, you'll be catching men. In other words, Simon, an uncommon life is this. An uncommon life understands that there are some things more significant than power and possessions and pleasures and hobbies and I have such fear that so many people will give their life 60, 70, 80 years to something that in a hundred years won't matter. And Jesus told Simon Peter, there is something more than just living for a profession and living for the temporal. And if you're not careful, 
you can give your whole life, all your energy, all your resources to something that won't matter in a hundred years. If you've taken any college courses, if you've spent any time in college, especially if you've taken any psych courses, and, and then maybe you've heard people talk and you know about this, but in 1943, Andrew Abraham Maslow developed the hierarchy of needs. And it's being talked about today. In fact, his advertisers use it today. And he took a group of people that were the most highly intelligent, the most highly successful, very competent, the brightest group of people, and he observed them for a number of years. And that's the way, based upon his experience, that's the way he developed the hierarchy of needs. And he developed a pyramid. Maybe some of you have seen it. At the base of the pyramid is basic human needs, food, water, clothing, shelter, that kind of thing. And then when you get to the top, the very important thing for a person to find fulfillment, because see, Maslow in 1943 believed that a person could find fulfillment within themselves. And so at the very top of the pyramid, Maslow developed a thought that, 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 that for there, for a person to find ultimate fulfillment as they walk, work up through the pyramid is this, to be loved and cared for. Maslow was the one that really coined the phrase, just be all you can be. So a lot of people have taken that. A lot of people have quoted And a lot of people have believed that, you know what, to find happiness, to find fulfillment, it's within myself because of Maslow's Pyramid, the hierarchy of needs. But you don't have many college professors and many psychologists talking today. Then when you study Maslow's life, you find in 1971, he, he recanted everything. He observed that group of people that achieved everything. Power and possessions and, and toys and vacations and everything. And they still had a longing for something outside of themselves. And Maslow was quoted in that book of saying that they desire this, 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 this transcendence, this thing that is outside of themselves, that they cannot give themselves for happiness. And he recanted everything. He said, I'm wrong. A person cannot find fulfillment within power and possessions within themselves. That's why a billionaire in the U.S. can be so unhappy. And someone in Haiti or a third world country that can't even get clean water and dealing with malaria, sleeping on ground, has happiness, fulfillment, and joy more than the billionaire in our country because they understand they got it. And the Bible says... Solomon in Ecclesiastes says everything under the sun is vanity. That God has created eternity in our hearts that can only be fulfilled by Him. See, the uncommon life gets this. The uncommon life understands this. Uh, verse 11, And when they had brought their boats to the land, listen, they left everything. They didn't even liquidate. They didn't even sell the fish. They didn't sell the boats. They didn't sell the nets. They left everything and they... They followed him. I'm telling you, if you follow Jesus, and if you want to, if, if I'm just telling, if you want to live an uncommon life, you're going to have to give up some things. I'm telling you. And maybe he won't like Simon Peter. Maybe he will not lead you to to change your occupation. But he will require you if you're going to live an uncommon life to leave your nets behind. 
the things that are entangling you. Whether it's a sin issue, whether it's a habit, whether it's an addiction, whether it's pornography, whether it's immorality, whether it's the language that you use, He's going to call you. And rather than make excuses, Simon Peter, he left everything. It may require some of you just to humble yourself and follow in believer's baptism. But at your word, I will. I won't argue about it. I won't discuss it. At your word, I will. At your word, I will lead my life differently. Listen, I'm telling you, a lot of people, when you get to this point, they're like, you mean I got to give up? Listen, I got to give up some stuff? Yes, but listen, let me tell you, you cannot outgive God. I mean, he promised Simon Peter, he said, whatever you leave, I'll pay you back a hundredfold. What did Simon Peter get? He got to witness his mother-in-law getting healed. He learned the deeper things of God. He witnesses the resurrection. He preached a message at Pentecost. Saw thousands come to him. But you find that God returned to him. I'm telling you. And God led me to give up a profession and come to Pueblo and start a church. That promise that he gave to Simon Peter was so personal to me. I'd never been a pastor before in my life. I didn't really know even what that looked like. I mean, I didn't even know what it would look like. I mean, what do you do when you only work an hour a week? <laughs> and I'm telling you, he has returned to me a hundredfold. I've been a part of things and I've seen things I didn't know were possible. And when a church, through the power of God that flows through a church and helps people to leave their nets behind the things that are making them miserable and entangling them, to live an uncommon life, that church has fulfilled its purpose.